0: This morning we're going to go to Luke chapter 7 and as you're preparing to go there, this week many of us will gather with families around the table and enjoy a nice Thanksgiving meal. There will be a turkey, there will be stuffing, there will be green beans, macaroni and cheese or if maybe you're like my family there will be rice. There will be tamales. There will be other things that are reflective of other cultures and traditions. And Thanksgiving is special for every family. It's special. We all have our own traditions and ways. But, you know, I've noticed that one of the things that seems to kind of happen in every family gathering is there seems to be this little bit of a conflict that happens. You know what I'm talking about? Somebody says something and you think, I don't know if I agree with that. And then, you know what, one thing leads to another and it kind of escalates from there. It might even blow up in our face right there. And what was supposed to be a wonderful Thanksgiving meal turned into a nightmare. You ever been part of one of those? I've seen a lot of those, uh, at least on the Hallmark movies that my wife loves. It's a Thanksgiving meal, but the truth is, is that when we're talking about these things that make Thanksgiving special, that make life special, that make all of the things wonderful and kind and sweet about this season is it's called hospitality. And hospitality is a major industry and all around the world you have major hotels like Marriott and Hilton that serve in hospitality and trying to make you feel the best When you come and stay at their hotel and feel welcome so that you will return once again. Hospitality is something that other industries have learned. You'll notice that when you go to Chick-fil-A, there's something about their hospitality that is a little bit different. That makes you feel better about yourself than when you came in and you leave. Feeling, wow, maybe I should come back again and get another chicken sandwich. That's the power of hospitality. It's a wonderful thing. But the truth is, is that sometimes it's a thing that is lacking in our world and in our lives. And as we're talking about hospitality today, hospitality is a major industry in our world that is focused on gain, competition, reciprocity, expectation, it's focused on this kind of competitive spirit in the business world. But really, as you read the Bible, as you see the New Testament, biblical hospitality is based upon grace, gifts, love of strangers, and sharing together. Hospitality is a wonderful thing that you and I need in our lives and a thing that the Bible teaches us about, not just when we feel like it, it's supposed to be reflective of the nature of a follower of Christ, not just in the warm holiday spirit, but in all times of the year, hospitality is supposed to be a part of our lives because it's reflective of who Jesus was and who Jesus is to all of the world. And so this morning, I want to talk to you for a few minutes about ingredients for our Thanksgiving meal. Ingredients for our Thanksgiving meal. Based upon the principles of kindness and hospitality. One of the amazing things as you read the New Testament, you read Paul's letters, you read Peter's letters, John's letters, is that they always take time to write down the names And say, greet so-and-so for us. Thank you. Thank them for their kindness towards us. How they welcomed us into their homes. How they provided this or how they did that. Tell so-and-so to bring this and thank them on the way. There was this such a sense of warmth. And we don't even have time today to go through all of the scriptures where that type of hospitality is understood and comprehended in a way. But one of the things that you kind of have to understand about the early church is that the early church was a baby church. It was a church that was growing. It was a church that was new. There were new believers everywhere. And so the common bond among the people was that we serve the Lord Jesus. You serve the Lord Jesus. So there was a sense of family that brought them together, a communal sense that united them together. It didn't matter who they were, what their background was, what their tradition or culture was there was a sense of bonding together because of the Lord Jesus. There was hospitality that was to be expressed. And if you think about it, really, hospitality was essential for the early church to grow because without it, they would have never been able to... uh, work with one another to share the gospel, they would have been lacking all around. So hospitality was an essential gift for the early church so that kindness, so that the gospel could continue to be spread into all of the earth. One of the things that you'll notice about the early church as you read the New Testament is you'll notice that their kindness was unparalleled. What the church was doing in the, in the, as you read in the New Testament, was different than what anybody else was doing. It was countercultural, and that's a term you're going to hear me use a lot this morning. Countercultural, which means that it goes against what culture teaches us. It goes against the mainstream ideas of culture. And one of the things that you'll notice about our culture today, especially, is the idea of self. The idea of me. It's a me world. All of our ads, everything that we see on TV, all of the things that we consume in, in television and marketing is based upon the idea of self. How can I get you to come back and get more? And really what happens is, is it feeds our selfish tendencies. It feeds this selfish person that you, all of us are by nature. And so when we're talking about biblical hospitality, it countercultural. It goes against everything that culture teaches us, and it teaches us that that is not the way that it ought to be, that selflessness in the model of the life of Jesus is the way we ought to be. And so to help us understand this a little better, we're going to read the story of one that Jesus acknowledges in the Bible and uses to make an example in Luke chapter 7 this morning. And the amazing thing is, is that Jesus acknowledges the hospitality of a sinner. And you know what's amazing to me is that you would read this story, you would think, this should be the religious person who's doing all of these things that we're going to read about. This should be one of the disciples who's doing all of these things. But the thing is, is that this was a sinful person who was doing it. But a sinful person who had a realization of who Jesus was. And because of that, her sins were forgiven. Her life was forever changed. But it started with her realization of Jesus is here among me. And so Jesus makes an example of her. The Bible says in Luke chapter 7, verse 36 one of the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and he took his place at the table. And one of the things as I want to just encourage you today as we're reading this this morning is he says that he took his place at the table. The table is a significant place in biblical literature. It is not just an accident that it talks about the table. The table is a significant theme. As you read throughout the rest of the New Testament, Jesus talks about a table. He talks about at the end when you and I are going to be gathered at the marriage supper of the Lamb, we're going to be gathered at a table. The table is a place of significance. And so a a woman brought in the city who was a sinner, having learned that he was eating in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster jar of ointment. She stood behind him at his feet weeping and began to bathe his feet with her tears and to dry them with her hair. And then she continued kissing his feet and anointing them with the ointment. And now when the Pharisee who invited him saw it, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would have known, and what kind of woman this is who's touching him, that she is a sinner. Now let's just pause here for a moment and take note of a, a, just a wonderful thing that Luke adds in here. I just love when there's like these little hidden things that are here. One of the things that Luke points out is, here is a sinner who has a revelation of who Jesus is, and so she follows to the place where Jesus is at. But here is a religious person who is sitting at the table right in front of Jesus, but has no idea who this Jesus is. Jesus spoke up and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to to you. Teacher, he replied, speak. A certain creditor had two debtors. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. And when they could not pay, he canceled the debts for both of them. Now which of them will love him more? Simon answered, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the greater debt. And Jesus said to him, you have judged rightly. And then turning toward the woman. Now this is an important part of this story here. Because you'll see that Jesus goes out of his way to acknowledge somebody who really shouldn't have been in the room in the first place. And acknowledges her example before them all. Acknowledges that yes, she is a sinner. But there is about to be forgiveness for her. And turns toward her. And his way of turning towards him is a way, or turning towards her, is a way of acknowledging her condition. Jesus said to him, You have judged rightly. And then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? This is an important question. And maybe you can just highlight it, underline it, whatever you want to do here. Do you see this woman? Jesus stops Simon here for a moment. And takes his eyes off of all the things that she's doing, all the person that maybe she has been labeled to be, and says, do you see this woman? Really what Jesus is trying to do is point the attention to the fact that right here in this room is not a sinner. is not somebody who just dumped a bunch of oil on my feet. is not somebody who is wasteful, negligent. This person right here is a person. She's a human And because of that, she has an intrinsic value because she is created by God. Do you see this woman? I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet. Notice the first thing he says against Simon. I gave you no water for my feet, but she has bathed my feet with her tears and dried them with her hair. Second thing, you gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. Third thing, you did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which were many, have been forgiven. Hence, she has shown great value. But the one to whom little is forgiven loves little. And then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. But those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. I love this story. As a matter of fact, I find myself preaching from it a lot because there's so much that we can learn here. You know, you just see here, first off, is that the people who were sitting at the table were blind to who Jesus was. They were blind to the fact that he was a prophet. They were blind to the fact that he was the Messiah. But this woman saw them both in Jesus. And she recognized that there was something great and wonderful about who Jesus was that caused her and compelled her with hospitality towards him. And really, she shouldn't have done all the things she should have done. Everything she did was countercultural. Everything that she did towards Jesus was wrong in culture's eyes. But what she did, Jesus made an example of and set up an example of really what biblical hospitality is all about. And he does this by pointing out to Simon the three things that he did not do for him when he came in, but this woman whose name we do not know did for her. And the important thing that we see here this morning as we talk about kindness, as we talk about moving in hospitality, is that Jesus looked at this woman and he started by talking about to Simon, do you see this woman? One of the things that our culture kind of looks over the fact is that every human has an intrinsic value because they are created by God. Our culture teaches us that people have value because of their usefulness to us, because of how they can help me, how they can provide for me. But Jesus goes out of his way and says, do you see this woman? And it's important to recognize that kindness and hospitality is given because of the intrinsic value of someone as the creation of God, not because of how they can serve as an instrument to me. If you and I can comprehend the fact that kindness and hospitality is given because somebody is created by God in the likeness of God, our kindness and hospitality won't be seasonal in our life. It will be every day in our life. You know what I mean? It won't be just part of of a season a moment of our life where I feel like being kind or I feel like being hospitable no when you realize that someone is created by God and they have an intrinsic value that says they have been woven in the image and likeness of God and they have a plan for their life if they'll turn their lives over to the Lord then this will help us as we provide kindness and hospitality because if we realize it's not about what I can get out of someone it's about how I can come and serve them. And really, that's what Jesus did. That was the life that Jesus did. It was never about what He could get out of us. It was about giving everything He could for us because He saw us as the creation of God. So much so that in the very beginning, God worked out a plan for His creation because we have been created in the image and likeness of God. So three ingredients for your Thanksgiving meal. The first thing that Jesus says is he says, "I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet, but she has bathed my feet with her tears and dried them with her hair." The first thing as we see here is the element of water. And water represents service. Is this woman served Jesus? She served him. She got down on her knees and washed his feet with water, with her hair. She did what was countercultural. She did what even Simon, who was kind of lofty and didn't think he he thought he was too good to get down on his knees and wash Jesus' feet. But this woman stepped in and filled that gap and served him. Dirty, disgusting feet. There were no Nikes. There were no Adidas. There were open sandals that were full of the everyday filth of the ancient world but it didn't matter she got down on her knees and she served him she wiped the dirt off she even went on beyond that and she cried with her tears and used them as a way of cleansing his feet and then dried them with her hair You know, I've often thought about this story and I thought, you know, really it's already kind of disgusting when you think about the fact that she's washing his feet with water, but then she takes her hair. And when you talk about hair in the ancient world, hair was a symbol of dignity to a woman. Hair was a symbol of honor. Hair was a symbol of showing respect. And so here she takes her dignity, she takes her honor, and she lays it at the feet of Jesus, and she goes out of his way to serve him. She provided water for his feet. And this is really what hospitality is all about, is service. It's about serving one another. It's about going out of our way to serve somebody else and not expecting anything in return. That's what biblical hospitality is all about. But our culture teaches us differently. Our culture teaches us if you watch this thing or that thing, read this thing or that thing, that if this person can't help you in your life and they're not doing this thing or that for you, you need to cut them off and get rid of them. It's a type of using people for our own gain and our own advantage. How can this person help me climb up the ladder so I can succeed in life? How can this person serve me this thing or that thing? And I'm missing the point all along that service, biblical service, isn't about what anybody can give me. It's about what I can give them. How I can bless them, how I can serve them. And it means even going out of our way and sometimes getting in a place that is sometimes uncomfortable. It is not; it is really a place that we don't want to be in, but it is a place of service that says, I esteem that person better than myself, so therefore I serve them. We serve one another not because of how as you can help me or bless me. I serve you because you are created in the image of God. God. And so when you and I take the time to serve one another, what we're doing, when we get down and we serve each other, maybe we cook a meal for somebody, maybe we go out of our way to bless somebody financially, what we're doing is we are affirming and acknowledging you are created in the image of God. I don't care what anybody else says about you in the world, I don't care what the world says about you, I'm telling you, I'm serving you because you are created in the image of God, and therefore, I'm going to serve you, because if God... God was willing to send his own son to die for you. Surely I can take a little time to serve you, to acknowledge the same fact that God thought it worthy enough to send his son to die for you. So I'm going to serve you so that maybe one day our world will come to the realization that Jesus is alive. This is why Jesus told the disciples, the world will know that you are my disciples by how you love one another. Why? Because it's countercultural look you're talking about a countercultural image look at the Romans for a minute think about Roman history for a minute Romans were thinking about dignity and they were almost kind of snooty in a way there were temples there were public baths. There were symbols of honor and wealth and shame, culture. It was a, a power image in the culture. And so for someone to say, we are not like the Romans. You don't have to come serve us, but we will come serve you. This was detestable to the cultural image. This was detestable and it said and demonstrated that if God himself was willing to come down and be, as we're going to sing in a few weeks, Emmanuel, God with us, then surely you and I ought to do the same to serve one another. So when we're gathered around our table this Thanksgiving, over the holidays, whatever it may be, we're with people, we're in the grocery store, think about it for a moment. When you come to the table, bring water. Spiritually speaking. Bring service. Don't expect something in return. Charlie, don't expect something in return. Just give. Freely you have received, freely you shall give. And if you think about it for a moment, could this be what our world is missing The type of people that say, we don't want anything back. We just want to give, 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 give. And that truly sets the holiday spirit is when somebody comes and says, no, I just want to do it because I love you in the Lord Jesus. I just want to do it because I want to show you that you are special to God. And so, therefore, I come to serve you. The second thing we see here is that Jesus turned to Simon and he says, you gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not stopped kissing my." Feet. Now, Americans, we don't do this thing with the kissing. One one kiss on this cheek and one on the other, but it is common around many parts of the world. But here in biblical times, it was especially common. Paul even instructed at one point greet each other with a holy kiss. And really, a kiss is significant because it recognized a sense of welcome. It was a kiss that extended hospitality to strangers. It was a kiss that welcomed somebody who maybe they didn't know, but it was a way of saying, you are welcome here. You're not a stranger anymore. You're family. So a kiss was given as a way of saying, you belong here now. So when this woman became to Jesus and kissed his feet, it was a way of saying, you're not a stranger to me. You're welcome here. Be comfortable here. It's like we tell people when they come into our homes, whatever you want, there's the food pantry, whatever you want, you're welcome here, make yourself at home. That would be the common statement that maybe would be relatable to this. That was the image of the kiss, is that you are welcome here. Now this is the hard thing for some of us sometimes, is that hospitality in biblical sense means extending kindness to strangers, Now, it's easy for us sometimes to extend kindness to our family because we see them all the time. They're family, right? We say they're blood. Sure, I'm going to love them. They're my family. But really, when you really uncover the Bible, the Bible goes out of its way to talk about how you and I are called to extend not just hospitality to our family, but hospitality to strangers. Romans chapter 12 says it this way. Sorry, I forgot to mark it here. Romans 12 says it this way. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed. Take note of that word and maybe even circle it. To this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Now we're going to skip down to verse 9. Paul goes into a length and just has this one long kind of run-on chapter here. Just one thing after another. And he says this, Let love be genuine. Hate what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with mutual affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Did you see that? Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not lag in zeal. Be ardent in spirit and serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in suffering. Persevere in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Extend hospitality to strangers. Extend hospitality to strangers. Hebrews 13 tells us that in extending hospitality to strangers, we might be entertaining angels unaware. That the biblical hospitality goes out of its way to extend hospitality to the person we do not know, we have no relationship for, and the kiss is the symbol of, I may not know you, I may not have a relationship with you, but you are welcome here. And this was exactly what Jesus did, was as he walked down the streets, he did not know the people, he did not meet them before, figuratively speaking. Of course, he's God. Of course, he knew them. But walking down the streets, he would go out of his way. John chapter 4, he goes to the Samaritans. He goes to people who maybe were counter-culturally not accepted, but yet he showed hospitality to the stranger. And this was what this woman did. She went out of her way to welcome the stranger. And you'll notice that Paul started Romans 12 by noting Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. We can't help but make the connection to the fact that sometimes extending hospitality to the strangers means not being conformed to how our world might teach us and instead making our minds, getting our minds transformed by the Holy Spirit so that therefore we will extend hospitality to the stranger there is nothing more beautiful it makes the morning news when someone goes out of their ways and extends hospitality to a stranger somebody they didn't know the, the v- videos become viral whatever it may be because there is something countercultural there is something that shows there is good in the world when you and I extend hospitality to strangers and really what we're doing is we're testifying to the love that God extended to us that you and I were at one times before we became believers were strangers we were aliens to the Lord. But God sent his son and welcomed us into his family. He extended hospitality to us and said, now you belong to me. And therefore, it's an image that you and I are ought to share with the world. And so this week, not just around the family table where it's easy, it's comfortable, it's easy to show it to the people we love, we see all the week. But showing genuine biblical hospitality is put to the test when it's somebody, I have no clue what's going on in their life, but we just stop to say, you're welcome. We don't, we don't kick them out. We don't ignore them. We don't overlook them, but because we are believers in the Lord, we serve them, we extend hospitality because we acknowledge you are deserving of my attention because you're created in the image of God. God created you. And so when you and I take time to extend hospitality to strangers, what we're saying, not just to our family, we're saying to the stranger is, hey, you're outside of the Lord, you don't know the Lord. I want you to know there's a family in the Lord Jesus Christ. So therefore, we extend hospitality to that person. And many people over the years have come to know the Lord because of the kindness of strangers in the faith. Went out of their way to take the gospel to somebody they didn't even know. But yet that gospel, that kindness caused them to say, why? What is it, what is it different about me? What happened to me? Because we love you in the Lord Jesus and we want you to know that Jesus loves you too. It's that type of hospitality that causes us to realize I cannot be conformed to this world. I remember some years ago when I was visiting Ukraine and I was there for a conference and I just remember this so vividly, just so vividly. I remember walking into a grocery store. I didn't speak any Russian, Ukrainian and I remember walking in there one day and I just remember... Just, it was so heartbreaking. I remember going through the checkout line. And it's just the culture, because of the bitterness of the wars and Ukraine and the conflict over time, I just remember this vivid image in my mind that this woman who was checking us out, I don't know what I was buying, but we were buying something there, and here I was trying to figure out what this money meant and how it equated and all that. And I just remember she would not look me at the eye. She would never make eye contact with me, but there was just this always looking down. And this was really a common thing that happens in Ukrainian culture because of the bitterness of war. And the Ukrainian believers would tell us there, it's because there's such bitterness, there's such coldness because of all the effects of what has happened. And it reminded me that even in some place where there might not even seem to be a hospitality towards me, it's the hospitality that is extended in those types of conditions that really stands out among the world. It's that type of hospitality that says, I know you may not feel loved. I, may not, I know your culture may have made you feel this way, but I want you to know, I love you. There's somebody who cares for you. And it's that type of hospitality that is extended to strangers that the Bible teaches us. You might be entertaining an angel and you didn't even know it. It begs the question why God would send angels into the world for us to entertain. Maybe it's so that we could practice our hospitality. We need ingredients for Thanksgiving meal, water, the kiss. And the third thing is the oil. It's the oil. As Jesus was there talking to Simon in Luke chapter 7, he pointed out the fact that this woman, as we read, she came in and she brought an alabaster jar of ointment. And we know, as we've learned in the culture as we see here, that this was an expensive jar of ointment. Some said this could have been used to pay a year's salary. This was an expensive jar of ointment, and we know that it was very valuable. But notice what Jesus says. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. The oil was what the woman had, and for all we know, Because this woman was a sinner, because the type of sin that she was in, this was probably the only possession that she had. It was the only thing that she had in her life, but yet she gave him everything. She gave him her best, her best. And I hope this is a thing that you and I will remember as we're gathering over the holidays, as we're talking to one another, as we're in grocery stores and shopping stores, wherever it may be, is that this woman gave Jesus her best and Jesus honored her for that fact. And Jesus made a point of example because she gave Him her best, everything she had. And biblical hospitality is about bringing out the best because Jesus gave us his best. If the Son of God came and was willing to lay down his life for us, surely you and I can go out of our way to give the best to one another. This is the example as the musicians come that the best is love. The best is grace. The best is countercultural. The best is saying, I love you in the Lord and I hope through this type of kindness, this hospitality, that somehow you will discover that God loves you just the same way in just an even greater and mightier way. And I hope that through this type of gifts of love, gifts of grace, whatever it may be, that you can encounter that there is a God who came and extended the same hospitality towards us all and although we might sit at a table and there might be tension here that's not the way our God had it he made a room for us he made a space for us and made us welcome at the table we were distant we were estranged but you know what Jesus did he provided water John chapter 13 Jesus put on a towel and got down at the disciples feet and began to wash their feet Jesus brought the kiss as he welcomed disciples who were fishermen, tax collectors, the least of society, and brought them in and said, I don't care what culture says, you're welcome into my family. Jesus brought the best. He brought the oil when he gave his life for you and I. And it's the model this holiday season, I hope, that you and I can capture in our hearts. We need the service. We need the spirit of welcoming. And we need to give our best because that's what Jesus did for us. Will you stand with me this morning? Would you close your eyes with me today? Can I just remind you here this morning, you're here today. And the most important thing that you and I take away from this story is here was a sinner who came to the feet of Jesus who culture said she wasn't welcome there but Jesus said your sins are forgiven. And no matter what season we may be in life, and no matter what sins might be over our life, the fact is, is that when you and I come to Jesus, there is hospitality there for you and I, that if we are willing to confess our sins, Jesus is willing to welcome us into His family and make space for us because He came to give us His best. He took up a cross. He bore it all stripes shame suffering the nails poured it all out he gave us his best what more could we ask for because he wants you to know that there's a place of belonging in the family of God in the household of God so that we might be with him forever and you're here today and maybe you're not feeling that way you felt overlooked abandoned neglected can I just tell you this morning that God came to love you. He came to extend hospitality to you. And it doesn't matter what our world says about you. It matters what Jesus says about you. That He wants to welcome you into His family if you will come to Him. Confess. Make it plain. This woman wasn't trying to hide her sin. She came and poured it out at Jesus' feet. And this morning you're here today. Your need in forgiveness is hospitality for you. Maybe this morning you're feeling just compelled. Lord, I need to show kindness to someone. Can we just pray today that God would renew our minds, and we wouldn't be conformed to this world? As the choir comes, let us pray this morning. Lord, we thank you today. You gave us hospitality. Lord, I don't deserve a place in your family. I don't deserve a place near you. But you came father and opened it up you provided the water you provided the kiss you provided the oil and so lord today would you help us lord to not be conformed to this world but by the transforming by the renewal of our minds let us be transformed today help us to not think like the world thinks but help us to thank god like you think that we might do like philippians says let the mind that was in christ be in you who did not consider himself to be esteemed with God but made himself in the image of a servant and humbled himself to the point of death on a cross. Lord, help us to carry that this season, Lord. And God, may we love one another not because of what we can get out of one another but because they are created in the image of God. They're valuable to you. And if they're valuable to you, Lord, they're valuable to me. If you love them, Lord, I love them because that's who you are, Lord. It doesn't matter their background, their tradition, their culture. It's because they are loved by you. So therefore, I will love them. So God, we pray this season, God, give us a fresh love for one another. Help us to love, 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 Lord. Help our world to be transformed by this love. Lord, may all of the world know that we are your disciples by how we love one another this holiday season. Lord, we don't want to be a part of the culture that just rejects you and puts people to shame, ignores people, overlooks people, doesn't see their need. God, help us to not be that person. Help us to love like you taught us to love, Lord. And Father, for that person here today, oh, they're feeling like a stranger to you. May they know today, God, you love them. There's forgiveness for them this morning if they'll just come to you. There's a place at the table for them if they'll come to you. Lord, we thank you this morning, and we give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. you need prayer this morning, you're welcome to come to the front. We'd love to pray with you as the choir sings, but let's sing this morning so we fix our eyes on Jesus.